just got your asses whipped by a bunch of goddamn nerds. Hey, sports fans, welcome to Sports Nerds. Here are your hosts, Dr. Samuel J. and Dr. Brian Schrader. Do it. Uh, hey, Bri Bri. Can you hear me? What's up, dude? B Shrades? I can hear you. How you doing? B Shrade. Okay, you can hear me. Good. Um, I'm good. B Shrades. That's what. Yeah. I, that's what I put. I put your name in as B Shrades today uh, in the in the Zencaster, uh, whatever you want to call that uh, uh, audio file, audio recording, sure. what have you. I don't yeah. know. Um, hey, I, I want to tell you something. And I in our in our pre-show preamble that that didn't get recorded. Um, I've heard from. I'm not kidding five people over the last two weeks asking when's the next sports nerds coming we've out? been a little uh i don't know I, i'm 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 like a i'm i'm your neglected uh longtime girlfriend podcast and you're, and you're infatuated I'm, with your new uh you know side piece podcast i don't know if the that is that is your brother it's <laughs> yeah, that is, that is my brother <laughs> yeah yeah i know no, it's a no, good no. metaphor i don't know this this has been a busy semester yeah we uh we should commit to doing these at least biweekly. No, yeah, no, you're right about that. That's a it's a bad day to make that commitment since it's about to be holiday hey, everybody, break or whatever. Just, we've just been busy though busy. too. Like you're in the midst of debate, you're going through a hiring. You know, we got stuff stuff to yeah. do. We also have to teach, you know, and and run things. So it's been difficult. It's been tough. And also, I don't know if I don't know. I haven't been able to consume that much sports. Aside from Iowa football, I've consumed some sports, so I'm I'm good on that front. Are you? What are you thinking about that Michigan Alabama matchup? <sighs> Man, I, I think the headlines have it all right. I think the concern is who plays. You know, if you got a bunch of just like last year uh, for Michigan, anyways, you had a you know all their uh, prospective NFL talent just doesn't show up to play. It could it could be a really cool game and a fun test. It could also be like just a, a nothing burger. I'm I'm sort of assuming it's the the second one of those things. Which you know how I, 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 you know how I get with Iowa football. I'm very irrational. But I was reading a thing the other day about what if Hawkinson and Fant had stayed this year. Like how yeah, good would Iowa that's be? A good point. Uh, I know, I know. But alas, yeah. it was a good year. I'll take it. I'll take it. That Michigan game could have gone either way. Yeah. Probably, maybe there were a lot of games. It's um, just, I think our teams are kind of the same this yeah, year in a lot yeah. of ways. I mean, not to sound like a like a Big Ten homer or whatever, but just just kind of like last year, you could see. You mentioned this to me. Uh, 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 take a lot of those teams out of the Big Ten and put them in other places, and you know <sighs> maybe they're a one loss team or a two loss team that's that's playing in a in a conference championship last weekend. I mean, I wonder. I, I, this was you, this was your text comment, but I mean, name the teams that you drop in the Big Twelve that are are playing in that. In that championship game, oh my god! And I mean, th- there are five. I would say that there are at least four Big Ten teams, right? You can exclude Iowa from that, but there are four Big Ten teams that are going to make that final. That I, even like, do you think Clemson's any good? I guess that remains to be seen, right? <laughs> we'll find out. I know. I I, I don't uh, like Dabo Sweeney, but I wouldn't. I mean, he's he he knows how to coach a team. I think Ohio State. So. Before before that Wisconsin game, I would say that Ohio State beats the shit out of them. But Ohio State looked weird in the first half of that Wisconsin game. Like they could have lost that game. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget, like it's Wisconsin. They tend to always lose one or two weird games that they should, yeah. but otherwise they're a really good team. Yeah, I mean, aside from that from that Illinois game, I mean, they're not a they're not a bad football team. No, I mean that may have cost them a spot in. The playoff actually it probably did if you think about it losing to ohio state twice in relative one relatively close game i don't know who knows yeah. who knows uh sp- speaking of which uh before we jump into your review of the college football playoff we are as always or for the fourth year running doing our sports nerds bull pick them uh i'll add the link in our in our show notes here you can click through there cost is going to be ten dollars per entry with two entries max at the moment looks like we've got eight people so already we have an 80 dollar pool which is good uh we've got another week before bowls start but tell your folks tell everybody about it share the word um we'll post it up over and over again probably on our social media not, quite, not quite a week right 16th is it is it the 16th? i think it's, I think it's sooner than five days 
Okay. All right. Well, they're they're coming up, so make sure you get your picks in, and everybody. Uh, it's just tinyurl.com slash sportsnerds2019. Um, I'll make sure, again, to to share the information on the social. But we'd love to have, I don't know, we had, what did I tell you? We had 70 last year, so we had a big, big pool. Yeah. Um, so if we can get 70 people at $10 a yeah. pop, that's, that's some pretty good cash for the winners. Yeah, it's, um, it's possible. People like you know, Because it's more expensive, you get uh, uh, slightly fewer people, but still. That's a that's a that's a lot of money. Um, if you're like yeah. me, you could use that money it to is. pay off it your uh, uh, fantasy football debts because I shit the bed in all of my fantasy leagues. You're still in. Yeah, I saw that, buddy. You haven't even even our our DraftKings stuff. You know, you're not you're just kind of there. You're just kind of participating. Yeah. in it. I don't see you at the top too very uh, very often. No, so. No. Thanks to everybody who participates in that, by the way. All of our, we've got a good set of listeners who keep you and I interested every Saturday yeah. or every Sunday and Monday. It is, it is. We've got what, 10 usually, usually of us? That Sometimes more. I guess, so. I'd say it's about that usually. The, uh, yeah, the Thanksgiving Day stuff was fun. I think we had 13, which is, which was good. Full on real um, sports gambling yeah, is about to be legal in Michigan. So, oh, I know. That'll be exciting. It's supposed to be legal here. Now that I think about it, we'll be able to go places and place bets. And oh no, I think it'll be online here. Oh, oh, you? Can, what do you mean? Oh, okay. So different than DraftKings is what uh, you're saying. It'll not like, draft, not oh. DraftKings Daily Fantasy, but like the DraftKings, just you know, like bet like Vegas betting. That will be interesting. What's what's your stance on gambling as a whole? Uh, cool yeah, it? no, I'm 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 fine with it. Um, libertarian view yeah 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 no i think that's about i think it's about right i don't i don't see it as some sort of you know immoral vice or something like that now i I will say personally i don't have the stomach for like big gambling uh like even 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 you know losing 150 bucks in fantasy this year i'm like oh that sucks i'm I'm not gonna play next year and then i will anyways but i i don't i don't i don't understand how people can like take their their (laughs) mortgage payment to vegas and put it on red or whatever but yeah i don't i don't have the i don't have the the constitution for that sort of stuff but i but i think there's it's undeniable that it makes watching sports a little bit more interesting oh it really does i totally agree even fantasy football even you know year-long fantasy football it definitely makes it interesting i like the uh the weird sort of rooting things it creates you're like man i really want this team to win but they can't score more than 30 and it'd be better if they scored on the ground that sort of thing um speaking of which i'm pretty sure that jared ellis won last week's match up only because of george kittle's last minute um catch in which he drug like four guys five like how many 15 yards and got a face mask oh yeah so yeah, props yeah, to yeah. jared for that yeah did you see that did you see that yeah, play? I did. Where he, that was insane that dude is a beast big fan of george we should get him on the podcast iowa grad oh yeah they reach out yeah we should reach out do it I, I, we may have some connections to make that possible um okay so there's that we checked that box Bef- uh, uh college football playoff are you cool with it are you cool with with how things played out those i mean aside from oklahoma i think those the other three deserve to be there and they're probably the best three teams yeah i, th- I mean but- there was there were situations where oklahoma doesn't get in right even with that win this is another thing that you and I went yeah. back and forth about a little bit. I, mean, I still think that if um, if Wisconsin beat Ohio State and it was close-ish, then those two teams get in and Oklahoma does not. I'm not saying that would have happened, but I think that's what should have happened. I don't know. You, that Big 12 game, I, I'm, I'm suspicious of, of, of how good Oklahoma really is. I, I can't see that they're – I mean, if you slow them down, that's, that's a problem. It's like with Baylor, a good defense is just going to – it's going to slow these folks down. The, the, and, that, and the so, quality of play in that game. I mean, the, the entirety of that halftime show was people making fun of how bad the, how bad the defense was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's, I don't really care for that kind of game as much as I used to. Like even with LSU putting up a bunch of points this year or Ohio state putting up a bunch of points, I feel like those two teams can probably shut anybody down with a little bit of preparation. Like their defenses are still, going to be loaded with, with I mean, nobody thinks Oklahoma's but, going to compete with LSU right they're going to get they're going to get run off the field right yeah I worry about that a little bit because remember Ohio State a few years ago when they actually when they won the national title they thought that they were going to get blown out by Alabama 
and then took it to him, took him to the old woodshed. I don't know, man. I here's here's my gripe with uh, the college football playoff, which is many years running. I've had it. I wish that they would expand yeah. it. And to say that they can't expand it is just BS. I think so much of this is, is dictated by money and, uh, you know, how much money these bowl games can generate for their sponsor or, you know, uh, from sponsors, from ticket sales, et cetera. I wish that it would at least expand to eight teams. I think it's just the best. It's just the best approach. Um, there's, I yeah. say that thing about if expanded to 16 teams who Iowa and Michigan would be playing. And that, that would be cool, right? Like just to have our teams in, in the playoff would be badass whether it's iowa getting destroyed by you lsu see, or, exactly. or what have you yeah but just to be there would be would be sweet well, no so. and then you, i mean like a lot of this intrigue comes back a university of utah team who you know uh, had they not lost to oregon maybe is in the conversation and how about oregon really regretting scheduling yeah, yeah. Like, like they probably like next you, you guarantee when they schedule out their their next slew of uh, schedules the next four years they're they may not be taking up that game like uh let's just go with a, a wofford <laughs> let's just stick to yeah. that because i mean they're in the playoff right they are 100 in the playoff if they don't lose to auburn at the beginning of the year because they have one loss that one loss is to a oh yeah a, you know arizona state team coached by a really good coach uh that that showed a lot of promise this year so yeah that, that, then that's not necessarily a bad loss. That Arizona State game is not a bad loss. And not to say that the Auburn game was a bad loss either, but one loss looks a lot better than two. Well, point. and then you compare them with an Oklahoma who didn't play Bay- Baylor very well and lost to K-State. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for And sure. had a bunch of other Absolutely. close games. Right? They beat Iowa State by three. They beat, I mean, they beat Texas by just a little bit. I mean, I, I think I think that, that Oklahoma team was primed to get jumped if things went the other way. I, I, another example of this is if Georgia beats LSU, Right then, they're a twelve and one team. Do they jump Oklahoma? I do you, do you fault Georgia for a, a close? Or if, if if they beat LSU, you can't pull LSU out. They beat uh, twelve and one. I would rather have teams that probably shouldn't be in the playoff in the playoff than teams outside of the playoff that should be in there. If that makes sense, and I think there are a couple teams that they could have easily taken the spot of Oklahoma as that fourth spot, but you know because of how things shook out at different times in the season. Um, it just didn't work out. That's what, that's just what gets me about college football. I understand the appeal of those kind of weekly matchups and it keeps ratings up and it keeps people watching a game at the end of October uh, in the same way the NFL, you know, wants, wants that stuff to happen, but it's built like the NFL a little bit, but without the, the, the proper setup for, for a playoff, I just, it needs to be expanded yeah. a little bit. I just, it's, it because, and and to say oh it's 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 tough on these kids and and yada 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 I totally get that but you can figure it out you can figure out a system uh, in which you can expand the playoff you can make the 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 winner or the final four a little bit more valid and I, I just wish the NCAA would would figure it out they're trying to figure out you know paying players and all yeah. of this stuff so you can also just, just get rid of the show, conference right? championship games that you know oftentimes yeah. I think. Are, are more of a, an impediment to figuring out who the top four are than it is yeah. something that yeah. helps. Um, you know, I, I, this is, this is certainly true in the big 10 where, um, you know, you have, you have teams that, that have a pathway to a championship maybe because of the divisions not being um, not, there's not a lot of parity between divisions here. I'm thinking about the big 10 and that if you don't play in the big 10 championship, you're very, very unlikely that you're going to, going to make it to the playoff, but like that's mm-hmm. penalizing you for being in, and, and in, I mean, th- think about it. If you're in uh, the the Big Ten, whatever it is, East, I guess is that how they is it East and West? They ch- they change the name of this shit all the yeah. time. But that's a division that has um, uh, Michigan, it has Penn State, has Ohio State. I mean, like not all three of those. Only one of those three teams can be in the the, the conference final, right? Yeah. You could eliminate yeah. that. That I mean, buys you a game. It's not forcing a loss on one of these teams, right? The 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 SEC championship does this too, right? No, I, I yeah, I agree. It's why Auburn's it's, twelve at nine and three because they had to play. Uh, did they play in the conference championship? Oh no, I'm no, sorry. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm my wires crossed. You know what the fuck I'm saying? <laughs> yep, I know exactly what you're saying. Hopefully, I know. I just yeah. So uh, come to the conclusion that figure out a better system. But until then, we will continue to watch and support uh, the money that gets pumped into college football. Probably. And last night, speaking of college basketball. Did you see some of those scores? I did not follow any college last night. 
Louisville oh, I got I beat. Texas yeah, but wasn't that Texas uh, Tech team really good last year? I was trying to remember that. Isn't that team really that was like this year, busting year. everyone's brackets? Yeah, they got beat by Iowa. That's their only other loss, I think, this year is to Iowa. Uh, that's their only loss. Maybe they have more losses, actually. They probably have three. Um, and then uh, Penn State beat Maryland last night, too. Yeah, I mean, it's all the, so, what, tons of the parody of college so far this year. Did I lose yeah. you? Yeah. I couldn't hear um, you for a second. That's what happens when you have eight. No, I'm yeah, here. That's I'm here. nuts. That's what happens when you have 18 year olds playing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, so moving on. Um, Megan Rapino, sports person of the year. Congrats to her. Congrats to all of our soccer fans out there and our women's soccer fans. Much deserved, in my opinion. I think. I think uh, she did a lot of great things um, for uh u.s women's soccer this year i know that and she had a personality in which she wasn't you know the good person she wasn't the she had a she had an edge to her and i think i don't know i liked it i definitely definitely liked it um i think it it definitely brought up the profile of soccer as a whole here in the states and i think uh, women's soccer in particular so i'm down with it you cool with it yeah oh god of course yeah no it's awesome only the fourth uh individual woman to win that honor there have been Groups like the '99 women's soccer team was uh, the sports women of the Did year um, before, so so that's Serena. Uh, I would assume um, has won it. Uh, I don't know the I don't know the other four, but that sounds. I mean, that's that's it would make sense. Stands to reason. I had I had some thoughts about this, um, and it and it mostly kind of goes back to just how much the you know kind of women's equal pay in, in sports movement and the the sort of you know, kind of Donald Trump versus the women's soccer team. Are they being patriotic enough? Blah, 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 blah. Visits to the White House, et cetera. Like that seemed to be all anyone really wanted to talk about for a while. Everyone seemingly had an opinion about Megan Rapinoe and the women's soccer team and, and that sort of stuff. And I think we um, we'd have to go back and listen to the podcast, but I, 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 either we said this on the podcast or we said it in, in conversation with each other privately, that the the fear is that the focus on on that stuff like you have to kind of capture that that moment or that rhetorical situation otherwise it's going to kind of evaporate on you and and i feel like that's what seeing you know that megan rapino is, is the sportswoman of the year sort of did for me and say oh yeah we were having this really important meaningful conversation about sort of equity and 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 wage disparities and that sort of stuff and it kind of evaporated and i was i don't know i'm i, I don't have a like a a, a a theory or a conclusion at all but I really was thinking this morning that there is there's there's inside of the broader landscape of the conversation about how sort of politics and sports interact. I wonder if if there's an argument to be made. I'm not suggesting that someone asking, but I wonder if there's an argument to be made that says the reason that sports is not a good venue for politics is not because it, it's it's something that should not have politics mixed in with it, but rather because it's so fleeting. You know what I mean? It's it's something about like the the way that we digest sports is so in the moment right it's 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 not something we don't tend to hang on to things it's as soon as the world series is over we sort of forget about it and we move on to football or whatever that 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 means that it doesn't provide for a, a good space for lasting conversations i guess the other interpretation is um it didn't last because you know people don't care enough about about the things that megan rapino and the other women on the soccer team were sort of advocating for i don't know does that no, make it sense? does and i think i i I've all you know, politics tend to have a stickiness factor uh, from, a, you know, our rhetorical lexicon. They, they stick and, and memes stick and political memes stick and ideologies stick. But yeah, I think you're right. Sports uh, from the very onset of, of this sports and sports media uh, relationship have been fleeting. You you would even when you got the newspaper, or you listen to the radio. You know it, things changed every day. You got different sports scores or different game scores and all of that. So yeah, I, I think I think you're right. I, I would almost say that 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 approach to uh, news gathering and news sharing has has now you know, taken over outside of the world of sports. And so even political news in a lot of ways is is fleeting. It's it's what's the information that I can gather today and share today. And it's in that same information or that kind of information or those memes are going to be different the next day. And that has a lot to do, obviously, with technology and media technologies and not just the content or what's being covered. But there's a lot of kind of moving, there's a lot of factors here, a lot of moving parts that go into it. But I think sports definitely at its core um, is supposed to be this thing that changes from day to day. So yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah. 
And if that's what happens, then how do you blame an athlete for for grabbing onto an opportunity and using the platform while they have it to to say the things that yeah, they want to say? That's a good point, right? For if 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 you're the type of person that says, "Hey, Megan Rapinoe, during the World Cup, uh, it's not the time to advance your your political agenda," but we know that six months later she's no longer on Rachel Maddow, she's no longer on you know the the night nighttime talk show, she's sort of um, receded into the background. Then I would say, well, of course you should do it during the World Cup. That's when everyone's looking at you. That's when you have cameras in your face, and that's when you have people asking you for interviews and to go on their shows. So I don't, it's it's bizarre. I don't know. I I, I I when I saw when I saw the, the this that that she was the sportswoman of the year, it it I just felt kind of embarrassed, like for myself that it was this cool thing that was happening, and I was fully on board with it, and it was a really important conversation. And I feel like it went away, and it's at least as much my fault as it is your fault or anyone else's fault, because we didn't keep talking about That's it. That's true. Is that? Yeah, no, it does. You, it's, it's almost, this is an incomplete thought. I, it's not something I've been, this is a since, since you this know, morning. I, Masscom probably has the theory that we need to make sense of that, but neither one of us are really Masscom uh, scholars, but no, I think, I think you're, you're spot on. Um, things just move so fast now inside and outside of sports it's it's just continual flow of information and it's almost it's those sticky it's those affective memes that tend to last and unfortunately it's it's the contentious ones it's the ones that uh, make us angry that tend to stick around a lot more than the ones that make us feel good i mean yes this is not i'm not trying to be political here but obama i think was unique in the sense that he was that politician that did have a positive affective experience at the center of his rhetorical agenda. But you get outside of that and most politicians before and after just don't follow that same line of line of approach. They just don't. It's, it's, it's very much um, the deployment of negative affective dispositions, hate, fear, etc. And so it's hard, that's hard to shake. Right. And I think rhetoric does allow us, does afford us that perspective to and that and that angle from which we can recognize things like memes or things like news and we can say that this thing works this thing is persuasive because it does have that that pathos that negative pathos that negative emotional connection that that just kind of overpowers things like love and hope or what have you but yeah i don't know um but sports i guess would be a good place to to show that those the underdog story, right? Those tend to kind of take off a little bit and resonate a little bit with people. That meme tends to uh, stick around with people because it is a it, it is a positive thing. It's a it's a positive affective experience. We like to see the underdog win um, and, and and root for the underdog. But that's that's not one particular story. It's more or less just a, a trope that that lasts. But I think you're onto something there. Maybe that's our next paper that we should probably yeah. write. Um, Moving on to our next story, we're going to get into the big story about NHL coaching. But uh, w- your thoughts on Garrett Cole's deal, and then we haven't talked since uh, Strasburg signed his extension with the or opted out, and then signed an extension with the with the Nationals. But I mean, there's some crazy money. Garrett Cole yesterday signed a contract with the Yankees, nine years, three hundred twenty-four million. Um, I can't remember what age that'll put him at when he's in that ninth year, but it's not young. I think he's I think he's thirty. He's twenty-nine or thirty, so. It's not young. 40. 20, okay. Um, <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I guess I wanted to ask yeah, he's, you. He's, tw- he's 28, you, so 38. Before, my age. <laughs> before we jump into our criticisms or our reviews of those contracts, how much of a role has Justin Verlander played in these extensions? Because you have a guy in his late 30s who is just as dominant, if not more so than he was 10 years prior. That has to play into it, right? For these agents, it's got to be coming up in the conversation. Maybe? Yeah, I I think that that presupposes that the Yankees think he's going to be good in 2028 or whatever. I don't think they think that. I assume assume they're just trying to pay the dude for what he can be for for the next three or four years. And if he turns out to be Verlander, then great, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, my reaction was more like it, it, when when you said you wanted to talk about this, I obviously just go to our buddy Sean Foreman's website, Baseball Reference, Baseball Reference, and 
and and look at stats and and hope I can, especially as a Red Sox fan, hope I can find reasons why Garrett Cole's not worth that contract and why he's not that good. But man, that dude's really, really mm-hmm. good. Yeah, and, and I, let's not assume the Yankees are going to try to get nine good years out of him. I think you know they want they want four good years in a couple World Series titles. No, I could I could see as a Red Sox fan how you would be a little um, worried about that contract. And it's the Yankees. Like that's not that's not that's we might. I wouldn't say we should be surprised by that contract. The Yankees are known to spend money like this. Um, they have they have the coffers filled with with dough to pay a, a Garrett Cole and a CC Sabathia and a Mike M- Moose Mussini Mussina. There we go. Mussini Mussolini. Um, so yeah, not shocked. We'll see what Strasburg does, though. I think he's, believe it or not, flying under the radar. I don't know why that yeah. made me laugh. It wasn't even that funny. It. it really got me for some reason. It captured my imagination. Hey. No, they can, they can, they can afford it. They can afford it. This, this is a different conversation, but and, and we won't crack open the stats because I'm not sure everyone finds it quite that interesting. How, how did Verlander win the Cy Young and not Garrett Cole? Um, his num- his numbers are just straight better. When did they vote on the Cy Young? I don't know. Uh, I Cole didn't have the the best World Series, and I don't know when they vote on a Cy Young, but those kind of trickle out during the playoffs. I thought they? so. I thought so. I don't know. I mean, baseball writers are known to be emotional. They're known to be a bit kind of non. Well, yeah. Anyhow, go ahead. And they're 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 bad at voting for these things too. Yeah. Uh, I'm all the all the years that um, the Miguel Cabrera was was you know he had the triple crown that year and they gave him the MVP when Mike Trout was wildly better in most in most categories. And listen, Garrett Cole wasn't like way way better than Verlander. Verlander had an absolutely insane year, but Garrett Cole's year was a little bit better. One one eighty five ERA plus this year. I know, I know. There, I guess the word is- and and. Uh, 326 strikeouts, which is the the highest in major leagues. 185 year, 185 ERA plus highest in the major leagues. 13.8 strikeouts per nine, which is the highest in the major. I mean, just like wild, wild. He had numbers. a good year. He had a good year, but he got paid, man. Maybe that, maybe that dough did. is a little. That dough can offset the pain of not winning the Cy Young. And and, I, and good for him too, because this year he was making a measly 13.5 million dollars. How do you so even live on needs, that? He needs, he needs. He needs the. I mean, that's. That's unfair. <sighs> Poor guy. Plus, cost of living in New York. That's true. Maybe he'll. It's, he it's might higher. live on Staten Island, you know, and just take the ferry over. Got to keep yeah. things cheap. I, yeah, he's a real. Who's that dude in Colorado? Who they? There all these probably bullshit stories about him uh, with the beard. Huh. That dude that plays for the Rockies with the beard. Oh, Charlie beard. Blackman. Yeah, Charlie Blackman. There's all these stories like he still drives around the '98 Trailblazer or something. How we love. We school. love those stories, don't we? Like, yeah, I'm sure. That's uh, not no, true. not at all. He keeps the Ferrari in the garage or something. <sighs> Gag me, cheese. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's. Yeah. Um. Fuck, dude. I don't know. Like every time you see these monster contracts, you think we finally hit some sort of natural ceiling that can never be crossed. I thought it with you know Pujols years ago when when uh, a contract that there was no chance he was going to be. be be able to to fulfill and trout got a monster i mean just every every year he seems to get to get bigger and bigger contracts i mean that was the that was the intrigue about this uh, this is all kind of happening um uh in front of the backdrop of, of the winter meetings and that sort of stuff and there were rumors that cole was going to go to the yankees for a, at least a week or two now but the strasburg deal broke first and what, what did you say he got 275 million or something dollars mm-hmm. 275 million dollars whatever and so uh, at least on twitter the conventional wisdom seemed to be that the cold deal was going to shatter that and it certainly did so uh i mean maybe this begs a, 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 a conversation from us about the salary cap and, and whether or not um you know that there's like the the oakland a's aren't going to spend that much money over the next 10 years on, on what the Yankees just spent on Garrett Cole. That might be hyperbole. They'll probably spend that much, but, but probably not much more. I mean, it's just a wild amount. It of is money. an insane amount of money. I know. I don't know what to say. It will be funnier for me if he goes there and shits the bed. <sighs> That's a bit. Of- there are some baseball writers too, that suggest that the Red Sox actually have fared pretty good against him. So maybe we'll be it's a bit of a tougher division too, man. You got to play a lot of games against the Red Sox and the Rays. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and the, you know, the, a lot of, a lot of people, the bright lights of New York, even Sabathia, who was a, an, an amazing 
uh, pitcher, I mean, I assume a Hall of Famer. Um, well, he was certainly a better pitcher in Milwaukee than he was in New York. Yeah, that's true. He was. He was. I would like to look at those stats. We don't have to do it now, but no, I agree. I agree. He was a serviceable three for the Yankees, even though he was starting as a one, if that makes sense. I think Garrett Cole's coming in there as the one. He's expected to carry that team, but we'll see if that money's worth it. And who knows who gives a shit if it actually is, right? If the Yankees win a World Series in the next five years, people are going to say it's worth it. But there's a lot yeah. of money. The real storyline is if they don't, mm-hmm. right? With, with, I mean, that's a, that's a, it's a pretty good baseball team on paper. I would agree. A lot of strikeouts, though, on both sides of the of the equation uh <laughs> moving on to our last story because i've got to go into my office and uh well actually my office being the restroom i'm, I'm trying to keep this this butthole <laughs> tight but it's it's <laughs> getting close sure, right, rolling the dice here sure <laughs> um yesterday uh, my my beloved dallas stars fired their coach jim montgomery who brian and i have um a very loose connection to because he was the head coach at University of Denver won a, won a national title with the Pioneers. We don't know why he got fired. I don't know if you've been following this at all. I've been trying to figure it out. I've been listening to the ticket out of Dallas to figure out why he got fired. I don't think it matters. He got fired. They're winning, yeah. so it's not exactly bad. no shit. Um, but I think this is one ex- one part of a much larger story that has been unfolding for the last two months with NHL and NHL coaches and NHL GMs. Um, Regarding physical and mental abuse, uh, there was a good article that I that I shared with you uh, earlier from ESPN talking about NHL coach coaching abuse and and what's really happening now. But there's you know Bill Peters is one, uh, Mike Babcock is another one who has been uh, critiqued for all of this. Don Cherry, although not a coach, um, he was fired by the CBC for his rant in which he called immigrants "you people." Uh, I think I, I I guess I don't really. I'm not concerned here with what Montgomery did. I'm more concerned with the the culture of uh, racism, the culture of abuse, the culture of violence that comes off the ice and that we're seeing, I guess, on and off the ice that has been a part of the NHL for years and years and years. And so I want to hear your take on this, but I'd like to start the conversation by critiquing the outrage about what's going on, not because that outrage is unfounded, but because sw- swinging the pendulum all the way over to the other side and, and virtue signaling is a problem when we consider that this is a environment that, as hockey fans, we have supported for a long, long time and known that it existed for a long, long time. Does that make sense to you? Uh, yeah, it does. I mean, hockey's the, the the sport that I probably it's it's farthest from from my own personal experience. So I'm 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 reading about sort of the the hyper aggressive cultural stuff in hockey as a 100% total outsider. Um, uh, that being said, I'm not surprised at all that that that's what the the culture is like. I mean, it's a it's a fast sport and it's a it's a physical support a physical sport. It's um, high intensity, uh, and and we certainly know that 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 sort of culture exists um, inside of uh, inside of football, right? This is uh, uh, Friday Night Tykes sort of sort of nonsense. So the, the reading this, absolutely none of it none of it surprises me um, at all. Uh, I've gone on record on the podcast before, so I can't really walk it back. Uh, by saying that I sort of, even though I never played hockey, understand from uh, a kind of competition standpoint, high intensity sort of coaching tactics, mm-hmm. right? That are um, the idea that you that you get people uh, sort of worked up in in hopefully a, a productive way to get them to get them focused, to get them energized, to get them uh, uh, you know to to compete at a high level, and so I. I understand why that's there. And I, I think that to some degree it's, it it works and it's effective and that there, there has to be a difference between um, anyone listening should know this, right? You, you know, if you're a competitive person or not, right. Have you ever thrown a monopoly board or or something like that? Not, not to say that that's always a good thing. There can be, there can be issues there, but I, 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 I recognize at least to some degree, the, the value and the, the, the utility of that. the flip side is it's not 1995 anymore and uh, whatever you want to call this virtue signaling or cancel culture or whatever uh, what we're starting to realize is that there were there were these 
um, same sort of approaches to, to motivation and, and, and coaching and, and cultivating competitive fire um, that have gone terribly wrong in a, in a bunch of places. We, we talked about it in the podcast in the context of uh, professional coaching for, for figure skaters and for, and for gymnasts and all these other places. And it's, it, it oftentimes seems to be coupled with other things. If it's, you know, physical abuse or if it's, if it's sexual abuse or in the case of, of this hockey stuff, it sounds like there's a shitload of racism going on inside of the, the, the NHL, NHL coupled with um, kind of physical violence in a, in a culture that, I guess whatever you want to call it, machismo or 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 whatever, um, is maybe has been too tolerant for for a while. So I don't know. Like I'm not I'm not willing to say everything about there. aggressive um, high intensity coaching tactics are a problem. But it sounds like there was definitely some terrible shit happening. That, no, I, that, think, I think <laughs> I think I probably could have just said I'm on the fence. It would have been a lot a lot shorter than that monologue. No, you reminded me you reminded me of how important it is to really pick these situations apart and not not condense them into one easy argument about high intensity coaching standards and using that that viewpoint to cancel out cancel out any of the racism or misogyny that's going on in these in these same situations i think like that's what's going to happen and that's what has happened in responses to these coaches and gms getting fired is a lot of people who are saying that it's wrong are saying it's wrong because of what i didn't say you just defend i'm not saying you're defending this but it's wrong you know these guys shouldn't be fired this is just what you do when you're a coach you got to coach up your players even i was looking at sean avery came out and uh after he had said that, I think it was Mike Babcock or somebody was a real asshole to him. <clears throat> I can't remember which coach he had. Sorry, hockey fans out there. Um, uh, like within 24 hours, Sean Avery had come out and defended what he said and said, you know, I deserve to uh, get my, oh, it was Mark Crawford, sorry. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I deserve to get my ass kicked, yada, yada, yada. The, okay, sure. Right. I think what you're right, you're, you're right regarding a good coach is going to know how to motivate those players. Some players need a little bit more push and they're going to be accepting of that push, right? I mean, Coach K does this shit all of the time and he seems to fly under the radar for the most part. He comes very much from that Bobby Knight school of, of coaching where um, physical or sorry, you know, mental, um, I don't want to say abuse, but barbs are used often to motivate players. That's a different conversation that I guess what I'm seeing, which is the culture of misogyny and racism that is very much a part of hockey from minors, you know, juniors all the way up into the, the National Hockey League. And I think to reg to ignore that is a major issue. I think of all professional sports, we might be able to point out hockey as that sport that from day one, when you are competitive and you are good enough to go pro or to begin kind of going through that system of becoming a pro, you are dealing with people who look a lot like you and people who don't look like you are very often not able to afford uh, in, in multiple ways financially and otherwise entry into that into that ecosystem, right? Hockey is an expensive sport, but also hockey is a sport that happens in places where there are not a lot of people of color. And so therefore, right, those racisms, those, 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 the people who exist in those spaces lack, I think, the, the verbiage, the language, the vocabulary, and also the, 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 the thoughtfulness to to view people and to work with people and to communicate people in I think um, thoughtful and and meaningful and empathetic ways if that makes sense like you know I, there's a lot of there's a lot of ego stroking that happens in hockey right there's a lot of ego stroking that happens yeah. in hockey and you're getting it from 15 16 on and if you're good you're gonna you're what's the word I'm trying to say I think ignorance is what I'm trying to say without saying ignorance there's an ignorance to hockey there's a there's a racial there's an ignorance of, of race there's an ignorance of 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 gender and and sexuality that happens in hockey simply because of how that system is set up and i'm not particularly sure if there are any kind of trainings or developments that can go on to change that i think it may just take time i think as as we become more aware of of difference 
and what that difference means and how to handle that difference, you're going to see that bleeding into younger generations, those generations that then fill up the minor leagues uh, in Canada and the United States. And it's going to change, right? It's going to change. There's going to be more, more awareness. But I think this is, to me, uh, an example of or, or proof of a, of a much larger systemic issue with hockey that we just don't see because of the racial difference in things like basketball or things like football or things yeah. like baseball, right? Like here, like, think about this, right? If you, you might be a race, like you're a racist, you're, you're, you say, this, you, you said like a Jeff Fox no, really no, joke. You, you might, might be, be racist. You grew up in, let's say, I don't know, Texas, right? I don't mean to pinpoint Texas. Sorry, Texans. You are a 17 year old kid who grew up in Texas and never saw a black person your entire life. And when or, or you, the black person you saw, your grandma had a name for that black person. You might not be at your core racist, but you understand and perhaps use racist words. Okay. You're going to be, I, I have the belief, right? I believe that that 17, 18 year old kid, when he gets into the minors, in minor leagues and he's working with people of color and he's on a team with people of color, you can quickly kind of rotate that language out of your vocabulary really quick because you see these people, you identify with these people, they're your teammates and all of this. Hockey of all places, uh, more so than the other professional sports, I don't think that that's afforded. You're not playing with people who look different. You're not empathizing. You're not on teams with people who look different. And that's happening at a very young age. And even now, right, if you look at the statistics of people of color in, in the National Hockey League, I think there are 30 people of color. It, yeah. And so it's just you're not being forced through empathy to change your ways, if that makes sense, more so than any other of those professional sports. Yeah, no, I think that's true. And it, I I, I take your point, and I want to. I want to say maybe maybe a slightly different read, which is, <laughs> it, it seems silly to have a conversation. You weren't saying this, but it seems silly to like have a conversation to say is export more or less racist, um, you know, based on any number of factors, including kind of the composition of its of its players. Though I think the the possibility for those demographic type questions to sort of create conditions that are ripe for racism are probably there's there's probably something to that. My point is a little bit different, which is I think. If, if you're playing a sport where the relationship between the coach and the players is one where the coach can basically say whatever it is that they want, if that person is harboring sort of racist uh, thoughts or attitudes or feelings or whatever, the, the problem is that, that at no point do they feel like they need to have a filter. Right. And it's just more likely that those things come out. There's probably just as many racist football coaches and basketball coaches. I think it's you know racism is probably pretty equally distributed across um, you know, different, different professional sports. Um, you made a, a point about sort of hockey being this, uh, having this high entry barrier due to cost. And I, I wonder if that is part of it. And this is something we have talked about on the podcast a little bit before. Um, and that's the idea that like, what are parents willing to tolerate uh, in terms of the relationship between, between coaches and, the, and their children at a young age? And I think that money has something to do with that, right? Mm -hmm. If you uh, imagine sort of the average uh, parents taking their kids down to the the local school to play on a you know fifty dollar a year soccer team or something like that. They're not going to tolerate anything from a coach uh, in terms of of being aggressive or negative towards their kids, mm -hmm. right? But and this is purely anecdotal. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know this to be true based on any sort of empirical data or research or anything, but I suspect it's true that if you're you know have your kid on a on a travel hockey team that costs thousands of dollars a year. Uh, and and demands a huge time investment, or you know, travel gymnastics team, or or, or, or figure skating, or, or or swimming. In the case of my daughter, right? I wonder if you see it as an investment, and you're more willing to not let let coaches, you know, uh, be verbally abusive to your children necessarily, but certainly are willing to let them be a little bit more intense. Mm -hmm. And so the culture is different at at the at the outset, right? Does that make sense? Again, speaking purely from personal experience, I've never seen anything that would give me pause, but I can I can tell you that um, e even kids that are that are, you know, sw swimmers on my daughter's travel swim team that are 10, 11, 12 years old, I've seen coaches, you know, yell at them is not the right word, but like really strongly speak to them about about what they're doing wrong and about their focus and 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 that sort of stuff. Um, that I could I can totally understand how once you're into the, you know, 15, 16, 17 year old age group that it could get much, much, much more intense. I guess what I'm suggesting is that, that it's, it's, it's not necessarily something about hockey qua the sport, but rather um, the way that the culture around hockey uh, sort of exists 
across the landscape of other kind of social and, and cultural and socioeconomic kind of factors, mm-hmm. right? Do we have a lower, a higher, a lower, I guess a lower threshold for, I'm sorry, do we have a higher threshold for how intense the coaching practices are in sports where we're spending a lot of money uh-huh. to, 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 to get our kids involved? Maybe, maybe you're willing to rationalize a more intense or aggressive coach if you think what you're doing is setting up your kid for a possibility that they play in the NHL mm-hmm. someday, I could be wrong. I, I'm spinning. no, no, no. I, I don't think you. I don't think you are wrong. But I, I, I wouldn't. Hmm. I don't think you are wrong. I think that's definitely part of it. I, there's no. I'm not. There's not even a but there. There's not even a but there. I think this is just. To me, this is this is less about coaching practices and less about um, instruction and, and less about instructional design. How about that? Or approaches to instruction than it's than it is the culture around these particular kinds of sports um, and how those cultures are different. And again, I just, it just goes back to when you are, for me, it goes back to when you spend your formative years playing with people who think, look different than you, you're going to have to begin to, to empathize if you want to succeed. If you want to succeed as a team, if you want to succeed, um, you know, as a leader on your, on your own team, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that in certain kinds of sports and certain kinds of areas of the country and North America, right. Um, that difference is built in just based on talent and, and the sharing yeah. and spreading of talent. Um, and also the, the, the socio demographic, the social demographics of different places, uh, it's built in, in, in places better than it is in others, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I mean, it's again, dude, like it just goes back to, I think when you when you begin to play with and and partner up with people who who aren't you, and again that can be thinking differently than you or looking different than differently than you. If you want to have success, you have to begin to understand and empathize. You have to make that attempt. And in in the world of hockey, I don't think that that expectation is there in the ways that it has to be in basketball. I mean, think about AAU basketball, dude. Like it's diverse. It's it, think about uh, Pop Warner football or or playing football, you know, here in the city of Denver or in L.A. or what have you. There, you have to respect diversity, and it's and, and that kind of intimacy with your teammates is going to affect not just how you how you act on the surface, but I think at your core, if you are a good person, it's going to affect how you treat others. And I think, I mean, to me, this is just this is. I think we could write a paper, we could write a, a book about the culture yeah. of hockey. Um, but I think I, my issue to go back to kind of my an initial critique of the story is that we are responding to the pimples on the surface as opposed to the unhealthy eating practices that are leading to those pimples, if that makes sense. You know, they're much it's a disgusting. It metaphor. is, it is, right? I was thinking I had a conversation about um, Plato's critique of, of rhetoric with uh, some folks the other day and we were talking about, you know, how you can understand you know, rhetoric as, as a good, as, as fast food uh, versus, you know, philosophy as a, as a healthy diet. But, um, Hey, anyhow, do you have any responses to any of the, the, the shit that I dispute? No, no, I, I, I get it. And I take your point. I, you know, I do think that there are, are counter examples of that, that would sort of say the fact that, that you point to a sport that has uh, sort of diverse demographics doesn't, 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 and I don't think you're arguing this, but doesn't guarantee empathy, right? You don't have to look any farther than the Richie incognito thing of a couple of years ago to say, even in, in the NFL, which mm-hmm. is, which is pretty diverse. You still have racist assholes. Oh, exactly. That this is this is why I code this more as the machismo uh, and intensity that's always couched as competitive drive being an excuse for it. Right? What happened when we had Richie Incognito bullying that kid who quit? I can't even remember. Jonathan his name. Martin. Um, Jonathan Martin. A bunch of people came to Incognito's defense, and they were like, "No, hazing rookies, even if that hazing is sort of racialized or racist, right?" is an important part of sort of teaching rookies the ropes, um, getting, you know, cultivating uh, uh, team team uh, camaraderie and team spirit and that sort of stuff. I'm not defending that, but that was the response, right? A lot of people weren't like, no, it, it, it was really fucked up what Richie Incognito did. No, a bunch of them came back and said like, yeah, it's just sort of the culture we get. Yeah. 
Right. That's right. And, 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 and again, I've, I've pointed to whatever, uh, you know, uh, little kids travel swimming or, or gymnastics. Another really crazy example of this is the hazing that you see on, um, uh, all these bands, you know, college bands that have been shut down where they've, they've hurt, hurt each other and killed each other. And it's, it's all in this sort of like cultivating a team spirit and, and, and striving for, I don't know, some misplaced understanding of, of, of perfection, mm-hmm. right? I, I don't know. For for me, the 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 unhealthy diet is it's it's not that empathy isn't part of it, but but for me, it's it's sort of do we need to to be uh, reflexive about about the the value of competition? Now, the other side of the spectrum, I think, is 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 just as bad, right? Like the I'm not I'm not someone who waves the don't give participation trophies um, flag, but I, I think that there is maybe some sort of healthy compromise between the two of those where you're, you're, you're helping and you're encouraging and you're, and you're teaching, but also you're sort of explaining to people that, that, that competition is not the same as, as, as cooperation or, uh, you know, the, that the, that there is some sort of value in trying to, to, to be your best or to work with others on the team to, to, to be better than your opponents. Like I, I, I'm, I'm, you're never going to hear me be like, we should get rid of, competition in in favor of of cooperation i do think that there's value there but but you can go i think too far to to either either extreme i don't know if this is a good metaphor but you sort of a few minutes ago uh made some sort of instructional design in inside professor sort of joke but i think that kind of building on that you could sort of think about about pedagogy and teaching and the way it's changed Mm -hmm. over the last hundred years or whatever right everyone's grown up with stories of um, or, 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 or imagery or, or iconography of, of outmoded, outdated teaching methods that were considered totally above board, whatever, 50, 60 years ago, like slapping a kid's hand with a ruler or uh, making them sit in the corner with, with, with a dunce cap, right? Which is very disciplinary and, and negative and aggressive. And I think maybe a good analog for what we're talking about inside of sports, sort of cultivating a particular drive um, in, in a negative way. But the flip side of that, right, is I see I see examples all the time because I have because I have small kids of parents who uh, are 100% unwilling to defer to teachers, right? They always assume that the teacher is wrong and that their kid is right, and they they very much kind of want to meddle in what's happening inside of inside of classrooms. And in my mind, I'm talking about you know middle school and grade school, but it's starting to creep up into into secondary ed um, in in sort of bizarre ways. So sort of how do you navigate um, the responsibility of the educator or in uh, the context of, of sports, the coach, right. Um, giving them some sort of, of leeway to, to, to make sure that the, the, the student or the, the athlete is sort of learning and, and, and mastering skills or technique or strategy or, or, or whatever it is, but also not going so far to where we have this whole expose of, of just a, a, a culture of hyper masculine, hyper aggressive, uh, occasionally racist behavior becoming the norm of, of a, of a sport culture. Um, that's not an easy question. Kind of to toot our own horn and, and to bring it back and close with what we had talked about before we even started recording. I think what you're, what you're getting at is the value of, of what we study, which when it comes down to it, it's, it's kind of a relationality, right? And being able to relate and communicate with people is, is so important. And maybe that's where we go and we begin to fix these things because a lot of the folks who are leading teams, whether that be, you know, your kids or my kids level or folks who are doing it professionally don't necessarily have that background in relationality and an awareness of how to ethically persuade and influence people uh, that they need to because of, of the stakes that are at hand. I mean, these are, this is, this is big time stuff. This is, this is money, but this is also, you know, um, it's affecting the lives of people for a long, long time. Um, uh, kids, students, what have you. So I think that's a really good way to kind of close it up. But, uh, do you have any, any closing remarks, closing comments? Well, no, it's nice to record again. It's fun. Agree. Oh, sorry. We've been gone. No, no, no. Yeah. Sorry, everybody. Um, we appreciate the support. Make sure that you get into the, the, the bull pick them all again, put that link in our show notes and you can also find all that information on our social media, but, uh, Bri Bri B Shrades, I appreciate the, the conversation and I feel like my brain was stimulated today. <laughs> God, it could help. All right. See you, buddy. You just Later. got your asses whipped by a bunch of goddamn nerds.